Chapters twenty three to twenty six of Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia, by Samuel Johnson. Chapter twenty three. The prince and his sister divide between them the work of observation. Rasselas returned home full of reflections, doubting how to direct his future steps. Of the way to happiness he found the learned and simple equally ignorant, but as he was yet young he flattered himself that he had time remaining for more experiments and further inquiries. He communicated to Imlac his observations and his doubts, but was answered by him with new doubts and remarks that gave him no comfort. He therefore discoursed more frequently and freely with his sister, who had yet the same hope with himself, and always assisted him to give some reason why, though he had been hitherto frustrated, he might succeed at last. "'We have hitherto,' said she, "'known but little of the world. We have never yet been either great or mean. In our own country, though we had royalty, we had no power.' and in this we have not yet seen the private recesses of domestic peace. Imlac favours not our search, lest we should in time find him mistaken. We will divide the task between us. You shall try what is to be found in the splendour of courts, and I will range the shades of humbler life perhaps command and authority may be the supreme blessings as they afford the most opportunities of doing good or perhaps what this world can give may be found in the modest habitations of middle fortune too low for great designs and too high for penury and distress chapter twenty four the prince examines the happiness of high stations. Rasselas applauded the design, and appeared next day with a splendid retinue at the court of the Bassa. He was soon distinguished for his magnificence, and admitted, as a prince whose curiosity had brought him from distant countries, to an intimacy with the great officers and frequent conversation with the bassa himself he was at first inclined to believe that the man must be pleased with his own condition whom all approached with reverence and heard with obedience and who had the power to extend his edicts to a whole kingdom there can be no pleasure said he equal to that of feeling at once the joy of thousands all made happy by wise administration yet since by the law of subordination this sublime delight can be in one nation but the lot of one 
it is surely reasonable to think that there is some satisfaction more popular and accessible and that millions can hardly be subjected to the will of a single man only to fill his particular breast with incommunicable content these thoughts were often in his mind and he found no solution of the difficulty but as presents and civilities gained him more familiarity he found that almost every man who stood high in his employment hated all the rest and was hated by them and that their lives were a continual succession of plots and detections stratagems and escapes faction and treachery many of those who surrounded the bassa were sent only to watch and report his conduct every tongue was muttering censure and every eye was searching for a fault at last the letters of revocation arrived the bassa was carried in chains to constantinople and his name was mentioned no more what are we now to think of the prerogatives of power said rasselas to his sister is it without efficacy to good or is the subordinate degree only dangerous and the supreme safe and glorious is the sultan the only happy man in his dominions or is the sultan himself subject to the torments of suspicion and the dread of enemies in a short time the second bassa was deposed the sultan that had advanced him was murdered by the janissaries and his successor had other views or different favourites chapter twenty five the princess pursues her inquiry with more diligence than success the princess in the meantime insinuated herself into many families for there are few doors through which liberality joined with good humour cannot find its way the daughters of many houses were airy and cheerful but nekaya had been too long accustomed to the conversation of imlac and her brother to be much pleased with childish levity and prattle which had no meaning she found their thoughts narrow their wishes low and their merriment often artificial their pleasures poor as they were could not be preserved pure but were embittered by petty competitions and worthless emulation they were always jealous of the beauty of each other of a quality to which solicitude can add nothing and from which detraction can take nothing away many were in love with triflers like themselves and many fancied that they were in love when in truth they were only idle their affection was not fixed on sense or virtue and therefore seldom ended but in vexation their grief however like their joy was transient everything floated in their mind unconnected with the past or future 
so that one desire easily gave way to another as a second stone cast into the water effaces and confounds the circles of the first with these girls she played as with inoffensive animals and found them proud of her countenance and weary of her company but her purpose was to examine more deeply and her affability easily persuaded the hearts that were swelling with sorrow to discharge their secrets in her ear and those whom hope flattered or prosperity delighted often courted her to partake their pleasure the princess and her brother commonly met in the evening in a private summer-house on the banks of the nile and related to each other the occurrences of the day as they were sitting together the princess cast her eyes upon the river that flowed before her answer said she great father of waters thou that rollest thy goods through eighty nations to the invocations of the daughter of thy native king tell me if thou waterest through all thy course a single habitation from which thou dost not hear the murmurs of complaint you are then said rasselas not more successful in private houses than i have been in courts i have since the last partition of our provinces said the princess enabled myself to enter familiarly into many families where there was the fairest show of prosperity and peace and know not one house that is not haunted by some fury that destroys their quiet i did not seek ease among the poor because i concluded that there it could not be found but i saw many poor whom i had supposed to live in affluence poverty has in large cities very different appearances it is often concealed in splendour and often in extravagance it is the care of a very great part of mankind to conceal their indigence from the rest they support themselves by temporary expedients and every day is lost in contriving for the morrow this however was an evil which though frequent i saw with less pain because i could relieve it yet some have refused my bounties more offended with my quickness to detect their wants than pleased with my readiness to succour them and others whose exigencies compelled them to admit my kindness have never been able to forgive their benefactress many however have been sincerely grateful without the ostentation of gratitude or the hope of other favours chapter twenty six the princess continues her remarks upon private life nekayah perceiving her brother's attention fixed proceeded in her narrative in families where there is or is not poverty there is commonly discord 
if a kingdom be as imlac tells us a great family a family likewise is a little kingdom torn with factions and exposed to revolutions an unpractised observer expects the love of parents and children to be constant and equal but this kindness seldom continues beyond the years of infancy in a short time the children become rivals to their parents benefits are allayed by reproaches and gratitude debased by envy parents and children seldom act in concert each child endeavours to appropriate the esteem or the fondness of the parents and the parents with yet less temptation betray each other to their children thus some place their confidence in the father and some in the mother and by degrees the house is filled with artifices and feuds the opinions of children and parents of the young and the old are naturally opposite by the contrary effects of hope and despondency of expectation and experience without crime or folly on either side the colours of life in youth and age appear different as the face of nature in spring and winter and how can children credit the assertions of parents which their own eyes show them to be false few parents act in such a manner as much to enforce their maxims by the credit of their lives the old man trusts wholly to slow contrivance and gradual progression the youth expects to force his way by genius vigour and precipitance the old man pays regard to riches and the young reverences virtue the old man deifies prudence the youth commits himself to magnanimity and chance the young man who intends no ill believes that none is intended and therefore acts with openness and candour but his father having suffered the injuries of fraud is impelled to suspect and too often allured to practise it age looks with anger on the temerity of youth and youth with contempt on the scrupulosity of age thus parents and children for the greatest part live on to love less and less and if those whom nature has thus closely united are the torments of each other where shall we look for tenderness and consolations surely said the prince you must have been unfortunate in your choice of acquaintance i am unwilling to believe that the most tender of all relations is thus impeded in its effects by natural necessity domestic discord answered she is not inevitably and fatally necessary but yet it is not easily avoided we seldom see that a whole family is virtuous the good and the evil cannot well agree 
and the evil can yet less agree with one another even the virtuous fall sometimes to variance when their virtues are of different kinds and tending to extremes in general those parents have most reverence who most deserve it for he that lives well cannot be despised many other evils infest private life some are the slaves of servants whom they have trusted with their affairs some are kept in continual anxiety by the caprice of rich relations whom they cannot please and dare not offend some husbands are imperious and some wives perverse and as it is always more easy to do evil than good though the wisdom or virtue of one can very rarely make many happy the folly or vice of one makes many miserable if such be the general effect of marriage said the prince i shall for the future think it dangerous to connect my interest with that of another lest i should be unhappy by my partner's fault i have met said the princess with many who live single for that reason but i have never found that their prudence ought to raise envy they dream away their time without friendship without fondness and are driven to rid themselves of the day for which they have no use by childish amusements or vicious delights they act as beings under the constant sense of some known inferiority that fills their minds with rancour and their tongues with censure they are peevish at home and malevolent abroad and as the outlaws of human nature make it their business and their pleasure to disturb that society which debars them from its privileges to live without feeling or exciting sympathy to be fortunate without adding to the felicity of others or afflicted without tasting the balm of pity is a state more gloomy than solitude it is not retreat but exclusion from mankind marriage has many pains but celibacy has no pleasures what then is to be done said rasselas the more we inquire the less we can resolve surely he is most likely to please himself that has no other inclination to regard end of chapter twenty six recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey